Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Aperva Shah from Jay's Properties. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds to head over to iTunes and rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Aperva is the managing partner at Jay's Properties, LLC. His focus is on residential and commercial real estate investments, including value-add, office, multifamily, and mobile home parks. Aperva has completed over $50 million in real estate transactions and manages an eight-figure portfolio. Aperva, we are excited to welcome you to the show. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Would you be so kind to start out by telling our listeners your story and how you got into manufactured housing communities? Yeah, so kind of an interesting story. Again, I'm Porva Shah. I'm the managing partner for Jay's Properties, Jay's Investments. We really started off, I guess the whole backstory behind this is I moved down to North Carolina from uh, when I graduated college. My background is electrical engineering, was great, you know, was in corporate for a while. And when I moved down here, I originally just wanted to, you know, buy a house and rent it out to some roommates and basically have them pay the mortgage. Those roommates actually became my business partners for a while. And, you know, not having capital early on, that was obviously a struggle. But we started uh, wholesaling homes, flipping paper, doing rehabs, rental rehabs, essentially doing some fix and flips, built up a capital stock and said, hey, you know, this is great. We probably did uh, about, you know, 30 homes or so. And from there, wanted to do larger opportunities, larger deals. So mobile home parks, as well as multifamily was kind of like the the next ideal step for us. I didn't stick with those partners at the time with my roommates because they, they wanted to continue doing the fix and flips. So I said, okay, cool, you know, let's end here. And I started actively looking for multifamily properties. My business partner today, you know, Jack Yen, he's he's incredible, really great on the data side. He he's he's our you know spreadsheet master <laughs> and does all of our underwriting. And for us, you know, I, I actually was looking at a multifamily property for a while and was going to, you know, share, share it with Jack, met him through Connected Investors and said, hey, look, um, I have this opportunity. Do you want to invest with me or, or you know, what do you want to essentially pay me a wholesale fee? And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the same space as you. I, you know, I want to build a business around, you know, private equity and doing larger opportunities. So from there, we said, okay, cool. Well, let's look at manufactured housing and multifamily and see how we can work together on different deals. So one of our first deals was in Michigan. And I think one of your previous uh, folks that were on this show, uh, Hansel, you know, brought us this deal. And we said, hey, let's all partner together. Let's, let's work on this uh, Michigan deal. Uh, I think it was like 550000 is the purchase price. And within 18 months, we, we cashed out about 1.6 million. So a million dollar profit in 18 months. So that's what really, really got us hooked on manufactured housing. That's like, all right, that's where we said, Hey, let's make sure we start building a business or at least a portion of our business has to be dedicated to mobile home parks. Obviously yields are great. 
there's lots of opportunity. And this, this was probably five years ago, five, six years ago. So definitely less saturated than it is today. But that was like the core of how, how I really got started there. Yeah. Hard to make a million dollars and walk <laughs> away from something, right? When, when was right. that? When did you buy that first deal uh, in Michigan? That sounds like an awesome deal. So it was, I think it was 2017, 2018, we purchased it. And then about 20, 2019, 2020 is when we disposed of it. We basically sold it off. That's fantastic. And what does the portfolio look like today for mobile home parks? Yeah. So, so for our mobile home parks, we have about 500, uh, about a little bit over 500 units of mobile home parks. And then we have about 200 or, or about 150 or so of multifamily and then we have some other uh, businesses like car washes and uh or we have a car wash and then we have a, a wayback burger which which is a little bit of a niche niche little 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 product there wow so you're you're doing all of this wow that's really interesting so i mean getting into multiple asset classes you know which has performed the best hands down mobile home parks Really better than yes. the car washes. I know that's, I, I see all these car washes, these brand new fancy ones going up. I live in Orlando and it's yeah. like every, everywhere you go, there's a new car wash going up on the corner. So what's going on there? I mean, is that a, a good business? Has it been, you know, I, I figured from yeah, an operational standpoint, it'd be tough. Yeah. So, so that, that's exactly it. So, right. So car washes are, in, are an incredible asset class, right? I mean, they're very fruitful, especially if that is the main focus that you have. It's very operational heavy, right? Luckily, you know, we, we purchased a car wash that's essentially in our backyard. I'm, I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina. The car wash we purchased was is in Durham. And we're still learning daily on how to operate it, how to navigate it, how to build out staff accordingly to work the day-to-day. We purchased it about six months ago. So, so we're, we're still, still working through the kinks. Uh, I'm over there, you know, I'm, I'm still working to get those coins and <laughs> working through the, the, a lot of it's cash, right? So understanding that side of it has been interesting and in being able to trust someone who can pick up the cash, pick up the, you know, different responsibilities there, uh, totally. but it's certainly fruitful there. And, and tell me about like, how do you get educated? Like when you decide to go into a new asset class? I mean, I've, I've gone into mobile home parks. We went into self-storage, you know, and it was a lot of work to kind of get up to speed on that. How do you kind of get up to speed? Yeah, yeah. So the big thing, both Jack and I, we make or we allot a specific part of our day, especially in the afternoons, we'll, we'll allot just to learning uh, different asset classes, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if we're saying, hey, look, we want to get into self-storage, and that is the asset class we, we do want to get into. Currently, we don't have any, but a portion of our day is dedicated to just educating ourselves. So it could be just researching on, on biggerpockets.com, right? You know, or, or talking to, to other uh, seasoned investors um, or just, you know, Googling, oh, hey, like how do, how do, how do you evaluate a self-storage unit? And, and that's a lot of how we got into the mobile home park space. Um, you know, we, we didn't know much about the operations. We, we, we knew the basics just from our fix and flip days. And from there, you know, it was understanding the numbers, understanding, okay, here's, this is how a septic uh, system works. This is how a well system works. And really just diving deeper and deeper into the nitty gritty of each of these different asset classes and how to evaluate them to continue to make returns for us and our investors. Have you attended the MHU bootcamp, the Frank and Dave bootcamp? 
I haven't. I've heard really good things about that. Wow, yeah. that's um, that's interesting. Yeah, I would say like ninety five percent of the interviews I do, <laughs> like the operators have attended the Frank and Dave boot camp. Highly recommend it. You know, Frank's a yeah. riot and and super entertaining with his uh, his stories. He he's you know has a lot of stories from being in the business for so long. But that's a great way to like get educated on like you know the the nitty gritty of it. But that's interesting that you did it all like what on on YouTube and just kind of you know researching online yourself. Yeah. Yeah, researching online. I remember I, I read a you know essentially mobile home parker investing book. I, I wish I had. I actually don't remember what the what the name of the book was. It was about uh, four years ago, and I was like, oh wow, you know, there's so many different, especially on the due diligence side of it. That's such a a monster on its own. You know, I feel like the financials and you know putting together offering memorandum and all that good stuff. That's that's like the easy part. The real part is, hey, okay, well, what happens if X, Y, Z fails, or or you have a te- a bad tenant, or, or and you know, especially in this space, it's it's um it's very yeah. very different. Than, than Management a, intensive and that due diligence yeah. is so important. Like on a deal we're doing right now, we discover there's two hundred sixty six thousand dollars of basically replumbing gas lines that are underneath homes. So like wow. we didn't even, Whoa. when we first started buying parks, we didn't even know that you needed to check where the gas lines are. But after refinancing several deals with, with agency lenders, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, they're yeah. engineers. They send out engineers to the properties to check out the site map. And if there is gas lines that go underneath a home, it's a life safety hazard and they won't, they won't underwrite your loan. They won't do the deal if you're going to refinance. So, wow. We, wow, wow, wow. You know, so we got that checked out found out there's like 25 homes that need this line, you know, moved out, like dug up and and moved out from under these homes. And it's going to cost, yeah, like 266,000. So luckily we found that in due diligence. So we know that going in and not, you know, get stuck with that when we're trying to refinance, you know, with a, you know, with an agency lender. So yeah, I mean, the big thing is you certainly don't want to one overpay, right? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this across the board of, People are just trying to find deals and try to just try to close deals, just especially in, in in such a complicated, I would say, quote unquote, complicated market with today's economy, right? It's, you know, folks could be purchasing at a three cap and sure, maybe that three cap does make sense as long as you're able to add value and continue to op- potentially operate at a, at a higher cap rate. But, you know, for, for us, we're, we've been super, super conservative on just understanding how that looks like. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, Andrew, that, that you found that uh, up front. Totally, totally. What do you yeah. think is the toughest hurdle to overcome in mobile home park investing, Aperva? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a great question, right? So I think the biggest thing is operations, right? Um, right now, you know, we're, we're certainly in a unique spot. We're able to, you know, we, we don't have to scale up if we don't want to. We certainly you know retire and all these different things but that's just not who we are as business owners and and entrepreneurs we want to continue to scale and continue to build a business around our obviously mobile home parks and essentially our other asset classes Uh, but putting the right people in the right places to have a successful team that's efficient right that's you know early on i i remember i was you know i was micro i was essentially micromanaging everything you know, from underwriting to, to writing up offers to uh, dealing with some of the tenant related things to all kinds of stuff. And, you know, when you're under potentially 50 units, sure, you might be able to do everything. 
But as you continue to scale up, and if you want to get to that thousand, two thousand, potentially ten thousand units, right? There's just no way you're never going to be able to, to scale as your if if you're not building a business or building out the right people and putting the right people in place. So for me, the biggest thing has and the toughest hurdle essentially has been uh, working through hiring the right talent, hiring the right folks, and putting them in a spot in terms of our operation. Because we, we do all our uh, management in-house and you know, we have our you know, regionals, we have our on-site property managers, having the right folks in those places that are efficient and exactly know what, and, and training them on exactly how to, how we want them to operate. Well said. So that's, that's yeah, I agree. Struggle. That's, that is, <laughs> is like the hardest part for sure. What does your management team look like? Like how many employees do you have? You know, how many off-site, you know, corporate office people do you have versus the on-site managers, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. So, so we we have about nine people on our team. Um, uh, a handful of those are on-site managers. Not every single community that we own has an on-site manager. The larger communities that have uh, essentially 30, 30 lots and higher, you know, we'll we'll have some on-site just to be the eyes and ears, and then they will essentially report into um, our essentially regional manager, and the regional manager essentially re- reports into me. Um, so I, I, I handle a lot more of our operations and then uh, Jack handles a lot of our investors and investor relations, underwriting and, and broker relationships. Gotcha. What does the perfect mobile home park look like to you? And, and like, if you were looking <laughs> at a deal to bring into the portfolio, what, you know, what would that typical park look like? Yeah. I mean, look, our check boxes, I wish this is our ultimate dream, right? But all lot rent only. No park on homes, you know, uh, what it was it, public utilities. That's the ideal, right? But that's that's not the case, right? So a lot of our, our opportunities today we're we're seeing is um, you know, we're we're certainly open for for private utilities, so well, septic tanks, that's fine. You know, we'll we'll underwrite it, we'll we'll uh, do our due diligence on those. Usually it'll be 30 lots and above. We're certainly not in that institutional space uh yet where but we're working to get there right i think that it'll probably be a two to three year plan of hey look we're, we're you know our minimum check size will be two million or whatever amount um at that point but right now we are our our minimum check is, is essentially five thousand uh five hundred thousand above for purchasing mobile home parks gotcha no do you guys have any like private sewer systems that you guys manage that are not septic so one of our latest deals that we we just took on is a essentially a sewage plant in a way. It's in about ten minutes from downtown Raleigh, and we have been learning every single day on this thing. So we purchased this thing about three months ago. It's sixty seven lots and has a gravel sewage field that has a pump house, and then there's this open area that basically gets all the the water and the and the essentially the filtered water that goes into the field. Uh, so we're still trying to learn through that. And that's, um, that's definitely been the most complicated uh, opportunity that we've, we've certainly had. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Those wastewater treatment plants, those things are expensive. I, I just, I don't know a lot about them. We don't know any, any of them, but I've just heard that they can be complex and you got to get like an operator to run them and all that. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Luckily, luckily, you know, early on when when we found an operator, they they also uh, were licensed in wastewater treatment, and so he's he's been managing it. We've we've been super blessed on that side of it, 
But just handling the day to day, I mean, just today, this morning, I was there and and just lo- reviewing the field because we've uh, we've had a number of uh, we spent a number of uh, I think it was like seventy five thousand or so of repairs done to that thing, uh, replacing pumps, replacing filters, churning the gravel bed. Uh, so what we want to make sure is now that we spent all this money and and we did this due diligence up front. So luckily it's not oh hey now we have to spend this money, but it it's uh, we caught it up front and we said okay these are the different things that need to be done. And um, now we just want to make sure we're maintaining, right? The big thing is having eyes on the ground and making sure uh, mm-hmm. it's it's not going backwards sure. to what it was before. Totally. I will say at the MHU boot camp, the Frank and Dave boot camp, Frank Rolf says, you know, stay away from the wastewater treatment plants and the lagoon <laughs> systems. So they do do a, uh, I know they do like a virtual, you know, rendition of that uh, of that boot camp might be worth checking out. Um, yeah, what, yeah, what mistakes so. in mobile home park investing have you made that we could learn from? I, I think on our earliest deals, the biggest thing has been due diligence. Doing the right due diligence upfront to make sure that you're not getting bit later on, right? So, and, and this, a lot of it comes down to subject tanks. So ma- many, many parks in North Carolina, or at least in our backyard here, um, they'll, they'll either have well or they'll have septic and just being able to do the due diligence on it. Uh, for example, right, we, uh, when we, one of our first parks that we uh, took, took on, we did like the basic well system checks saying, hey, you know, is there any bacteria? Is there anything going on with the well? Um, but what we didn't do is do lead and copper tests, making sure there's, you know, essentially deeper water sample tests. And what we find out is we're positive for copper, which was very odd because we we checked what the pipes were. Pipes were not uh, copper pipes; they're they're all PVC across the entire <laughs> entire board. So so we're saying, oh, why why are we testing positive for copper? And it was really you know there there was a lot more uh, digging and understanding. Okay, hey, getting the right the experienced folks, you know, the, the well operators and folks like that to really tell us, hey, this is what's going on with your system. It's not really the well that's the issue. It's the people's homes where you're pulling the samples from. That's where you're getting the positive. So we had to do a little bit of due diligence and, and understand that. We didn't catch this uh, up front, but we caught this as we're operating. Now what we're doing is we have a cut, uh, basically a due diligence checklist saying, hey, these are the different things, especially if you have a well, you need to check. Uh, if you have a septic tank, you need to check these X, Y, Z things. And uh, I think the big thing is, you know, don't don't cheap out upfront, right? Make sure you're you're doing the right due diligence. Get the get the folks that are actually going to open up this uh, septic tank cover and put put their the camera and, and probe down down the drain and do 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 what they need to do, right? I'm by no means a a uh, septic experienced guy or anything like that right so that's that's been biggest biggest hurdle for us is putting together that proper due diligence checklist and i'm, I'm sure if, you know, if, if i went to the mhu the the boot camp i probably would have learned that earlier they on. do give you a 30-day <laughs> due diligence handbook that is a great yeah. starter point and that's how we got started with our deals is we followed the due diligence handbook yeah. but that you know it starts out with like 50 checkpoints and off every deal we've done, we've added to our due diligence checklist 
you know, things we've learned, right? Like to yeah. check the gas line locations, you know, to check the the transformers to make sure there's enough juice to serve, you know, the park and, and things like that. So our, our due diligence checklist is like 300 plus uh, items now, <laughs> or it started at the 50. So it's just, you know, every deal adding something on there, but um, you got to start exciting. somewhere. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, we, we, we certainly, uh, we, we kind of started from scratch, right. And good thing, maybe a bad thing. Uh, it's kind of in between. Luckily, you know, we've been in a really good spot where we've been conservative enough up front on all of our opportunities to the point where you know knock on wood and fingers crossed toes crossed we, ha we haven't lost um, any money on them right that's good it, you know that's great we've yeah yeah spent spending a couple grand additional sure we've, we've accounted for that especially early on because we were like well we didn't really yeah. understand and, and luckily it was just all, all our internal capital we didn't raise money up front that's good yeah no i i looked at a deal in fayetteville north carolina the numbers looked great. It was a well in septic. And we went and looked, got it like the well tested and the well tested out okay. But then we went to the EPA and checked the health department records and saw that they failed some tests that were for, I forget the chemical, but it was something bad. It was like arsenic or something that was like found in the, in the test results. Wow, so wow. we didn't proceed forward with the deal. But it's like little things like that. That's like, you know, you want to make sure you dot your I and you cross your T because otherwise you could buy this thing and now you are, you know, poisoning a large group of people and, and think yeah. about the liability that comes with that, right? You just bought yourself a lawsuit. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty big. Let me ask you this. What are the most important things, passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here. What do you think they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And and we tell our investors, um, hey, vet all of your GPs. You know, obviously many, many of our investors, they invest in other opportunities as well. You know, we're, we're many, there's many, many operators out there. So understanding who your GP is, general partner is, right? You know, what's their uh, social media look like? Or is it, is it them consistently going out and not worrying about your investments? And, you know, how transparent are they? Are they, are they um, you know, giving you monthly reports? And um, even with those monthly reports, how detailed are they? Are they actually showing you where all the, the you know, pennies and dollars and all this good stuff is going? Or are they just saying, oh, here's your return? You know, the big thing for, for us is being very transparent. We pride ourselves as, as part of Jay's Properties. We, we say, hey, look, we want to show you guys financially everything, right? Up front, we're going to show you everything. And once you're Part of the deal, we want to show you exactly where every dollar is being spent and also show you what the general partners are making, right? The big thing really is obviously, you know, the, the limited partners, they're, they're getting their, you know, preferred return and, and also the, the equity distribution, which is, which is great. But what happens if things go south, right? What happens if you have a large capex or, or for some reason the, the well doesn't work or you have to replace a septic tank? And are you being upfront with your investors saying, hey, you, you're not receiving your equity distribution this quarter? Um, or or what, what, is that, what does that conversation look like? Um, and for us, the big thing has been being proactive about communication with our investors. We want to tell them, look, not everything's going to go as planned, right? And as forecasted. That, that happens. You, know, you, you may have something in, in, a, in, a, in a deal that just, you know, it's a surprise. And that's unfortunate, but being conservative, being transparent and 
communicating properly with your uh, limited partners is super, super important. And going that extra mile of saying, hey, look, guys, we it might be a mid-month thing. It might not be at the end of the month, but be like, hey, guys, we're, we're running into a little bit of a, a potential cash flow issue based on X, Y, Z things happening in the community. And we've done that, right? We've had, we've had to have those uh, hard conversations, but we're not just shying away and just typing an email and, and not responding to anyone when, when people have questions. So that's the, the big thing is definitely vet your sponsor, vet your general partner um, really, really thoroughly. And, you know, it's, everything's good when, when everyone's making money, but what happens if things do go south? For sure. What does the future of mobile home park investing look like? And how do you see the business fitting in with like the direction the economy is going with higher interest rates, possible recession, et cetera? So right now, you know, as I said, the economy is kind of kind of an interesting spot, right? Obviously, interest rates are are certainly elevated, right, compared to what they were six months to a year ago. And today's market is certainly different than what it was. And what we're seeing is it's you know where where mobile home parks are going is it's becoming more and more attractive, especially in certain areas of the country, where this is a preferred style of living or preferred place to live. Right, especially if it's a clean, nice community. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about the class or, or basically, you know, a, a class D or, or a, uh, you know, one star park, but I'm talking about those, you know, three to four star parks. And um, what we're seeing is a lot of folks who who just they can't afford um, a single family home, uh, you know, which which might be three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. They're preferring to buy a mobile home and bring it to. Uh, our communities or, 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 you know, other operators or other communities that are there in the area. That's been a huge shift, you know, early on when, when I was in the single family space, I didn't know that, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, people are actively looking at mobile home parks and this is where, where people want to live. I, I just thought, Hey, there, there are trailers on the road and <laughs> on the side of the street. And, you know, for us, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to, uh, ability community. We didn't want to just be another landlord. Hey, here's a check. We're collecting a check. We wanted to go and speak to our tenants, say, Hey, what are you struggling with? What we tell our regional managers is once a quarter, you need to go down there, talk with your tenants. There could be, you know, a single mother who's struggling to pay rent, but she's just paying rent because she's scared of getting evicted. We want to work with those individuals and help their life get better. Not just, Oh, Hey, we're collecting rent and great. Everyone's happy. No, we want to, we want to make it a more of a community feel. And so because of that, we're seeing a lot more tenants being driven in, you know, we're, we're, we're at about, um, I would say 99% occupancy across our entire portfolio. Are you doing fill projects? We, we do. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, many, work with what's like your biggest infill project. Like how many homes have you brought into a community? Yeah. So we've brought in it's been about 12 into a community and those yeah and, and it's smaller but but those, those will go within within two months um and, and where's your portfolio located primarily is it all in in uh like the midwest or in north carolina it, it's it's yeah uh between north carolina and virginia is where where we're purchasing gotcha gotcha and how do you finance these things aperva like what, what does that look like what's do you have like a, a strategy there or anything like that yeah, so we've built a number of relationships with uh, local lenders um, for our smaller opportunities. Um, and the secondary side of it is if it's a larger opportunity or if it's a, you know, essentially Fannie Freddie, 
uh, play, we'll, we'll certainly use agency debt. Um, but most of our opportunities, especially up front when we're um, in, in the acquisition state, it's going to be with a local lender. Uh, local bank or or, or someone um, that we have like five-year balloons on those or exactly yeah it's usually yeah. five-year balloons uh, for us we're we're not really a big fan of um, uh, variable debt and we're also not a big fan of doing just bridge debt or anything like that uh, especially right, we, we haven't we haven't done done those we'll do an interest only period but those are you know especially if on those heavier value add properties we'll we'll want some interest only but we certainly haven't done those to date and, nice. and more than likely we're, we're, we're probably going to shy away from those. Okay. What's the biggest threat to mobile home park investing? I would say the, the city, the city councils, it's very dependent on the location of where you're purchasing mobile home parks. You know, for example, right. Raleigh, right. They, they're not looking for you to build out more mobile home parks or add uh, additional lots to 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 your land or anything like that. You know, we're seeing a lot of developers come in saying, "Hey, let's tear down this this mobile home park, put up a you know brand new Class A apartment complex, right?" And that's that's been certainly it's been an odd spot because we're like, "Well, we want to continue the affordable housing thing. Affordable housing is super important to us. You know, most of our portfolio is going to be you know that those Class Class C Class B minus properties." We're, we're seeing some, some concerns there. And as the market continues to be saturated, we want to just be cognizant of working with the local folks um, and, and the planners and saying, hey, look, we have these mobile home parks. We want to maintain those as mobile home parks. We're not just trying to sell it to the developer and um, you know, cashing out on that side of it. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, we, we ran into that issue recently where we ran into a building inspector and like he was like, the zoning guy, but he was mainly the building like department head and he just hated mobile home parks. And he was like, I'm going to make your life miserable. I'm going to, you know, I need, you're going to need a permit for everything. And there was a nice double wide that, that we bought from a tenant. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, everything from like the, the outlets to the smoke detectors needing to be hardwired instead of battery powered he went through and was like, hey, you need to do all of this. You need to rip all this drywall down and do all of this work. And eventually he's like, we, we pulled all, the, we did all this work. And then he was like, oh, you need to demo the home. It's beyond repair now. You're going to need to demo the home. After we like did all this stuff, pulled the drywall down. Wow. And like, then he had to come for an inspection. And so we went above him. We went and sat down with the mayor and we said, hey, dude, like, do you guys have a problem like discriminating against affordable housing? <laughs> and it was amazing how fast that building inspector's attitude changed when him and the mayor got together after that meeting. Uh, because it's just, it's just some people, they have this stigma and they just don't understand, like, we're trying to do the right thing here. We're trying to provide affordable housing to these markets that yeah. desperately need it. People, single family housing developers are not building affordable housing. It doesn't pencil out from a, a return no. standpoint. So we need to be able to fill all of our lots and we need to fill these homes uh, as long as they are, you know, livable, we're not trying to, you know, be slumlords here and, and, you know, fill trashy homes that are hazardous. No, these are workable, you know, living units. And, you know, sometimes you got to go above, you know, above people to get in front of the right people to, to get something done. So. No, I definitely agree. And, and, and that's, that's the big thing, right? I mean, you're, we, we talked about stigma about mobile home park investing, mobile home parks, 
when I first told my friends, oh, hey, like we're, we're about to, to invest in some mobile home parks, they're like, what do you mean? Why, why would you want to do this, right? And from luckily, since they're my friend, you know, we're, we're working to educate people, right? We want to tell them, look, this isn't uh, Joe Schmo down the street who's not going to fix things and, and not provide, a, yeah. you know, a fire, uh, alarm or, or uh, you know, smoke detectors and things like that in their units. This isn't just a, a, a piece of junk or a metal box, right? This is a really nice home. You might not even, like some of these homes that we have in our communities, you might not even be able to tell between it's a single family house or or uh, or a mobile manufactured house, right? So, you know, and the insides are spectacular. And the great thing is having the folks that, um, you know, having the tenants who really love the community and having them treat it really well. Like I, I remember when we were driving through one of our communities, we had we had a tenant picking up trash in other in their neighbor's yard, and that's how you know, like, okay, hey, these people really want to live here. They want to take care of it. They want this to be their home. They want it so their kids can play around in the playground and all these different things, run around, have a safe place to live. And while yeah, sure, they might not be able to afford that five hundred thousand dollar home that's being built down the street. We want to make sure we retain that. Yeah, yeah uh, agreed, agreed. Aperva, yeah, it's and, been awesome talking with you, dude. How can listeners get a hold of you if they'd like to do so? Yeah, so definitely um, take a look at our website. It's uh, www.jaysinvestments.com. Uh, feel free to email me if, if there's anything that um, you know we can partner on, we can work with. I'd love to, to, to help um, listeners or, or limited partners, anything we can do. Uh, my email address is uh, solutions at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, feel, I, I look forward to the, uh, to the responses. Awesome. What's one last bit of information or important advice that you would give interested passive mobile home park investors that, like, haven't pulled the trigger yet? Sure. You know, my, my biggest question would be, well, what's stopping you? Is it the risk? Is it the market? Um, I think... Uh, real estate is certainly cyclic, right? There's there's a there's a cycle, and you know while it's going up and down and up and down, real estate's been consistently one of the true I guess asset classes that continue to make money, right? So you know whether it be stocks or real estate or gold or any of this stuff, right? Especially when when the market's down, real estate is continuing to outperform other uh, other asset classes or, or or other other investments. So, I mean, I think the big thing is definitely, definitely do your homework, do your due diligence on, on the partners or the, the sponsors that you're, you're going to be working with and continue to learn, right? Continue to learn how, how, how can you own a mobile home park or, or, or apartment complex or whatever, whatever it is that you want to invest in. Awesome, Aperva. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Andrew, thank you so much for having me. That's it for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Would you like to see Mobile Home Park value-add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at PassiveMHPInvesting for photos and awesome videos from our recent Mobile Home Park acquisitions. Once again, that's at PassiveMHPInvesting on Instagram. See you there.